Good afternoon. Welcome to Open Book Javelin's Bistro. My name is Javelin, and I am your host. I'm sitting in for one of my colleagues, uh, Rena, which you would be hearing her today, uh, but she's out in the world taking care of her heart, her life, and she will be back with you. So I pray that I serve this day, this half hour well for her to represent her. So today, I thought it would be a wonderful time to listen to a poet who I interviewed on my regular show, Cover to Cover, Open Book, Javelin, Javelin's Bistro, maybe a year and a half ago, Robin Lee. And he's come out with his second book of poetry, Reckless Simplicity. And so he's going to be reading some of his works. We're going to talk about that work, enjoy the work, or not enjoy the work, or a mixture of both, depending on where we're at today inside. So... Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Javelin. It's a pleasure to be to be back. I had such a great time last time, and uh, it's just an honor to be able to uh, pick up our conversation. Absolutely. My memory, as I t- told you earlier, my memory together with you a year and a half ago was that your your intellect, and it wasn't from an academic point of view necessarily, it was the the... you be you being smart through your words about being human about emotions, about connecting, and about asking questions, and that intelligence came through. And so and when you offer that up to the world, it, it, feels, um, like a soul, it feels like a soul connection. Oh, well, um, great. <laughs> so let's start off with the title. You chose Reckless Simplicity. Talk to oh, yeah. what, What's going on for that for you and yeah. why? Well, I thought it was go- a good uh, title for this uh, second chapbook. The second chapbook picks up um, a number of themes that um, were started um, to be looked at in my first chapbook, The Live Long Day. Um, things about childhood, being a child, having a child, um, and, of course, adult perspectives on um, on many things. Um, the reckless simplicity, I actually came upon that phrase when um, I was reading the program notes uh, at the symphony of all places. It was uh, somebody talking about Beethoven's seventh symphony. The very beginning of it starts with very simple chords. And the uh, writer uh, who did the notes uh, characterized this as this this reckless simplicity that you know, Beethoven could take this chance. It was an unusual thing to do. And I thought that linked in with the themes of childhood, the, the, the simplicity and at the same time the taking chances and the, the learning things and a certain amount of recklessness. And finally, I had found that since maybe um, my last collection to, to now, I'm finding that I'm the poems are coming out a little more spare, stripped down and seemingly surface simple and i i'm i'm gambling that uh, that there's more underneath there that people will respond to and find and you know certainly my my betters you know the the great poets such as uh, robert frost and other poets you know have have certainly done this it's not it's not a new thing but um i'm being a little reckless here in being uh, simple so i'm 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 taking a chance mm, okay so read us some simplicity <laughs> with the recklessness of your words. <laughs> okay, and let I us indulge. I will. And um, not all of the poems um, follow that characterization, but in quite a number of them do, I feel. The very first poem in the collection is called uh, Questions. 
Uh, this, this, you kind of have to see it on the page, but the title is written Q-U-E-S-T, then there's a slash, and then I-O-N-S. So I'm kind of digging the word quest out of questions, and I think that plays in with the poem as well. So this is called Questions. How do I float? Let go. Keep my bike right. Push harder. When to flex, when to flow. Questions that we don't outgrow. Talk to me about ways in which we do not outgrow those fundamental questions that is so important to children. How? How do I do these things? Well, um, it's my own opinion that the older I get, um, I don't find myself um, anymore. I, you know, maybe there's some wisdom of some sort or another, but there's certainly no final answers. And, you know, as a child, uh, it's contradictory. You know, how do I float? Let go. How to um, keep my bike right? Push harder. Um, there seem to be these contradictory instructions coming from the parent figure, I guess. And you think that as I get older, well, it's all be sorted out. But, but no, the, the questions remain. The questions grow. And that's kind of, um, I'm hoping, what's, um, what, what surfaces um, from the poem. And so if a child was to ask you, how do I float? I'd say let go. <laughs> like in the poem, it's true. It, it, it's, it, it, they're floating. Um, in water, it feels odd. You, you, do you remember this sensation? I think everybody does that you're sinking until you just relax and you let go. And, and, and a bike too, I think, is kind of key in that way where you can't make that bike stay up unless you do something that seems kind of contradictory, which is act more. You know, you think you'd be pushing the bike down, but no, once you get over that hump, these are, you know, so I'm, I'm hoping these are two kind of, you know, balanced, uh, contradictory things that you have to juggle and you continue to juggle as sure. as one gets older. Okay. All right. What do you have next for us? Okay. Um, I thought I'd read this one called um, Sugar Donuts. This is about um, the experience of childhood. And one of one of an experience I remember, but it's hard to remember what it's like to be a child. I feel very hard uh, to really have a sense of what it means to not know all of you all that you know now you know you're learning things and this is an experience i remembered and and wrote a poem about it's called sugar donuts white icing sugar coating cake so white bite the sweet shock swells and falls off the cool spring air, the lake and the ducks, my mother and me sharing a snack together. My brother and father are not with us, I don't know why. Just my mother and me and the outside surrounding, the air and the birds and the sense of two as one. 
having fun with no thought of after or before, like icing sugar on white, white cake. The moment grows, shines a while, becomes happiness remembered. So let's go back, if you will, to your saying that there's a lot from our childhood and your experience that we really don't remember. And here's something you found in your childhood that you do remember and you've written it down. As you wrote this and think about it now, why do you think that moment has come back and offered you itself? That's an excellent question, Jovelyn, I feel, and, and I, I consider it to be an absolute mystery. Um, why, given moments, images, instances stick with you and millions of others don't, or, or, or with me, in my case, I just, I just don't know. But some... The reason I, the part of asking you that is that I, people, you know, anyone listening to this, I'm wondering when we go back, when those moments, they visit us and stay a part of who we are as long as we're cognitive. What's inside those moments that led you to happiness, right? And so that's why I'm ex exploring that with you as I explore in my own memory. So can I ask you a yeah. couple of questions about that moment? Oh, please, sure. Okay. Yeah. Because, okay. Do you, th and I'm asking you because I'm also asking for myself and others listening, these moments of childhood that disappear and we don't remember most of them, and yet they have deep impact on who we are as, as grown-ups. Undoubtedly. Do you think a part of it is that you're there with your mother alone without the distractions of, of any other human being that the senses of your mouth is stimulated by the the sugary donut, the sense of nature's just holding the two of you that it allowed for your consciousness to be aware of your mother's presence in you, absent of other distractions that you, just a child and their parent, that was reinforced by everything in that moment. Does I think that's absolutely correct. You have blazed a neural path of some sort or another. And and I, I was young. I mean, I was, I don't know, maybe six or something like that. And uh, and I do remember quite clearly the sense of just having fun with my mother, you know, like a sort of, not just my mother, but sort of a, a buddy, you know, a friend. And, uh, um, and the fact that it was just the two of us. Yes. Um, it was just one of those moments. and um, I think we all have them. I yeah. have one. I'll share that there's eight of us in our family. Well, five in mine. <laughs> <laughs> you bought me beat then. Did, did you just use the sound? Oh, poop. Like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> when you're one of, of of eight, it doesn't feel like that. It just feels like the... Was there yeah, people? well, one of five. Yeah, exactly. it, was, it was a gang of boys in my family, yeah. So I remember one of my most sweetest memories. I was four or five, crawling up on the back of the toilet seat because my, <laughs> mother, my mother's in the mirror. Oh, yeah. And she's leaning forward, and I'm the only one in the bathroom with her. <laughs> and I crawl up on the back of the toilet seat, and I watch my mother apply lipstick to her oh. mouth. 
and the movement of the lipstick. And she always wore red lipstick. And she's just drawing so carefully and looking at herself. And that memory has been held so precious. It was just me, my mother, and the color red. There you go. And there's no Crayola box in the world could have no. ever taught me red. That sounds that sounds a beautiful memory. It is very, as, as is yours. Yes, they're precious. All right, give us another childhood right. expression. <laughs> so you're listening to, this is Joplin of Cover to Cover, Joplin's Bistro, and you're listening to Robin Lee read from his new collection of poetry, Reckless Simplicity. All right, well, Joplin, if it's okay, I think maybe I'll um, move off the, the child thing for a second and do a, a, a poem in the collection which is um, not part of that. It's more uh, um, adult observation, as it were. Uh, this one is called What We Forget to Know. And if I can just get to the page. Okay. It's... um. What We Forget to Know, and I have in parentheses after Howard Nemiroff. He's a poet of the 50s and 60s. He was actually Deanne Arbus's, you know, the photographer. He, okay. he was her um, brother, uh, but he was a sort of well-known po poet in New York, and uh, he, he used an image that I kind of appropriated here, borrowed, so I feel I had to credit him. Um, so this is called What We Forget to Know. White with black-tipped wings and tail, yellow shaded head and predatory beak. The gannet scans the sea below, locks onto prey, plunges cold Atlantic depths, splashes ocean into sheer scrim that catches sun, reveals the hidden spectral stuff of light. A sight that lasts an instant only, but an instant is enough. And this is created from an image that... Well, um, if uh, uh, I can yes. let you know, about, uh, I sort of backed it in, in a way. Um, this poem, of course, uh, has this image of this, this bird, the gannet, um, flying above the ocean and diving down and grabbing its prey, as it does. Um, but when the bird splashes into the water, it, he, he or she you know, shoots up the um, water into a spray. And um, I, I think that on if not first reading, second reading, somebody would notice that um, it says that, um, you know, um, splashes ocean into sheer scrim that catches sun, reveals the hidden spectral stuff of light. Well, it's a rainbow. Um, I mean, that is what a rainbow is. It's water with the light uh, being pushed through it and creating spectral display of the colors of white light. And, and, and this does happen when you see a splash and if it, if it just hits the light in the right way. But it's magic. You know, it's a magic little moment. A sight that lasts an instant only, but an instant is enough. That's, that's what you need, you know, just to see that. Well, Howard Nemiroff had written another poem where there was a disturbance of water and it created the um, rainbow effect and that really struck me. Um, but I use it in a different way here and so forth, but I felt I should credit him. <laughs> and um, 
And so there we are. You know, this 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 to me would be an example of a poem that seems kind of you you might miss an aspect of it just on on quick reading, but I'd like to think a second reading or something like that would reveal more. And um, it's fair. You know, I don't like poems that are overly obscure, and I don't like Hallmark greeting cards. You know, I I I, I think it's it's I try to be fair. You know, and uh, accessible, but um, I hope interesting. What? Um, when did you open yourself up to understanding that you are a poet, or that you are taking that oh. name and, and and placing it on yourself and say, "I am a poet." Yeah, that's interesting too. Uh, well, in high school, like many many people and so forth, uh, uh, I I would I, I enjoyed literature and poetry and I would write it and but then it then I it dropped off and I didn't do it um you know going as I got older um but there was a moment actually where I sort of came back to it it was actually in the east bay there's a poem I wrote called sea monster where I saw one of the um sculptures that the the, the group of artists were doing in the um 80s early 80s and it just struck me it was a sea monster made out of wood and somehow something just blossomed again in my mind and I, I wrote a poem about that and I've been doing it ever since. And um, um, it's just a wonderful thing, you know, to, to, to be writing poetry, to be hearing other poets, to be reading poetry. It's just such a rich, satisfying, wonderful world and I like to, if I can, you know, um, introduce people to it a, a bit you know and and because it's just such a joy and um so uh yeah it was um probably in my late 20s i came back to it and uh, here i am okay read us another grown folks oh poem. okay For, you went from childhood you listen okay. to robin lee and he's reading reckless simplicity and so he's now going to take us on a journey for more um, grown folks, as I said. Okay, great. Yeah, I, lo I like to read these ones. Uh, let me see. How about... Well, there's two. Can I? There's one short one and then... Absolutely. This is your spotlight. Right, okay. Um, I'm going to read one that I will admit is kind of dense and difficult to sort of unpack as it were and I'm just going to leave it at that I'm going to read it and and then I'll go on to um, another one which uh, I think it just speaks for itself okay so the first one is called gibbous moon that's when a moon is getting to be full but it's not and, uh, okay it's one of my darker poems I suppose um Gibbous moon, no sooner full than falls away, wax to wane a porous trace. And Britain's coast still undefined, the fractal fact in place. Still, day to day, we walk our world, certainties secure. It's giddy ride to cold and still, sufficiently obscure. Now, tell, tell us why you feel like that, that your language you say dark. Well, something is taking a giddy ride to cold and still that we're deceiving ourselves about. 
And if you sort of go back through the poem, even though there's not a lot of words and they're all, you know, fairly simple words, um, you can see that it connects with uh, our world. So the first two stanzas, um, I think, are about things that we don't see. We're limited uh, in our our, um, um, senses and our perceptions. No sooner full than falls away. Wax to wane, a porous trace. There really is no moment, I've realized, when the full moon is just a full moon. Um, it's always changing, always. But to us, it looks like a full moon. It's yesterday. It just seems like it's sitting there as a full moon. So we're limited in, in, in how we can see things. And our, you know, there are illusions, you know, that we... we and um, so... Um, you know, to kind of pull all this apart, you know, I'm, I think I might just want to leave this one to the reader, if that's all right. That's, that's fine, but yeah. I, as a reader, yeah. or listener, rather, yeah. um, what was the backdrop for you to write that? Oh, yeah. What, was, what led up? Who is the poet? Now I'm asking one of the questions. Yeah, who is sure. this poet, Robin? <laughs> who is he? What, what moves him to write a particular poem at a particular time? That's an interesting thing. Because, yeah, well, well, the, the, the moment of inspiration. I was actually talking with a fellow, and um, he made the point um, about there not being ever, in this case, you know, a moon. It's never just full. It's always in process. And when he said that, it's just like, that that was the seed, the seed of the poem. And it just sort of stuck in my mind a long time. And uh, that's kind of how it works, it seems, with me. I have a seed, and it sort of works in my mind, and then I just write it, you know. The, 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 the second stanza is another example of illusions, you know, that we have. And Britain's coast still undefined, the fractal fact in place. There was a book in uh, the late 70s uh, uh, about um, fractals. Uh, Benoit Mandelbrot's the guy's name. You see what I mean about unpacking this one, you know? Uh, but he made the point of uh, fractal mathematics that you can never know the perimeter, the, the distance of the perimeter of the coast of Britain or anything because every time you get closer to it, the distance changes. And so you think you have a, 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 a number you know, for the, the 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 perimeter, but then you go another order of magnification in, and and that changes. It gets bigger in a way. Um, well, actually, in in the the way you have have given us this glimpse of of what inspired you, actually unpacks the piece. So I, I can't. Right. I can only imagine when yeah. I go over to look at that. The things that is going to stick out in my mind is that the moon is never really full, yeah. and you can never measure. And somehow with the the measure the what is it the, the, the just the perimeter in his case he used the coast of Britain but right, with anything the, really so yeah. that what I would read it with is that we can never really we see something but that's not always the truth of it and it's in the process of it like we are right on so, uh, but 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 here's the scary part now uh, now that we are sort of going into this poem you know the is the next two stanzas still day to day we walk our world certainties secure so all these illusions and you know we're not we're we we have our illusions we're we're, we're quite quite certain about them and it's giddy ride to cold and still sufficiently obscure now you might wonder what does it's 
refer to? Is it Britain's coast? Is it the, the, the moon? No, it actually refers to the world, our world. And let's face it, our world is on a trajectory, be it however many million, billion years, to um, entropy, cold, and still, you know. <laughs> so... So there we go. All right, let's do it. So you have a second piece you're going to read. I do, but you know that was. I got to find one that isn't dark. The second so one. So I tell here. you what. Let's <laughs> let's do a music break, and then we, while you look through a piece that you may want to do. So we'll be right back uh, with um, Robin and his new body of work, Res- Reckless Simplicity, after this music break. Cover to Cover, Open Book, Javelin's Bistro. And I'm here with Robin Lee, and he's reading from his work, Reckless Simplicity. And he will, we have a, a three more minutes of the wonderfulness of learning and listening to poetry. And what do you have for us, Rob? Well, um, seeing as it's going to probably be the last poem, I'd like to finish with one called Hurricane. Okay. And... You can hear me rattling the pages. I'm a bad guy. But here we go. It's called Hurricane. I want to get back to the child thing, and this is a parent looking at his child. Hurricane. Wind so strong, seagulls suspend. The ocean whips to creamy froth as we walk out along the pier. My son, age five, a mix of fear, delight. His small self pressed against the wind, which steals my voice from him. Watching, my mind recalls a time when I, his age or nearly, was so buffeted. My brother and I, ecstatic in autumn Toronto, running through wind as thick and strong as ocean waves. Pagan, barbarous, the taste of madness on our lips, we pressed the bounds of our suburban yard, while puzzled parents secured our home against the hurricane incoming, then called us in from wildness wind to rooms warm and familiar. But in my skin, a smaller wind had kindled, and now and then, since then to now, inside and familiar things seem somehow less than real. Once again, I watch my son, watch him ravished by the wind, and wish for him as well, A small storm kindled in the skin. May he also, may he also never quite come in. You know, that is so lovely to end with. It's so wonderful. I think all of us can wrap ourselves around that. And may we all keep that inside our skin. That reminds me of that song, If You Get a Chance to Dance. You know, to be brave and to keep that wind inside of you. That's right. 
Thank you, Robin. Robin. And how can people get hold of you? Your oh, website? Uh, yes. Uh, thank you, Jovan. I would have forgotten. If uh, people want to um, pre-order a book or see some sample poems, they can go to a website. It's simply the title of the chat book, Reckless Simplicity, but then it's dot .weebly, W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com. RecklessSimplicity.weebly.com. dot com. Thank you, Jovelyn, so much. You're welcome. co-sponsoring with UC Berkeley's College of Letters and Science this year's Mario Savio Memorial Lecture given by Anthony Romero, Executive Director of the American Civil Liberties Union. Romero is the first Latino and first openly gay man to serve in this capacity. His topic, Crime and Punishment in America, the Case for Redemption. Happens November 5th. 8 p.m., UC Berkeley campus, Pauley Ballroom. The series honors the memory of the late Mario Savio of Berkeley's free speech movement and the spirit of moral courage which he and other activists of his generation exemplified. The event is free and open to the public, although getting tickets in advance is highly recommended. There's wheelchair access. Tickets and more info online at lsevents at berkeley.edu. <laughs> 